certain automatic number that will turn out to take care of those who are five-star generals in the company, those who are four-star generals in the company, those who are three-star generals. And you had labor expert Austin Gami. Away from that, even though huge brands like Woolworths, American Swiss, Markham, and At Home, among others, are exiting the Ghanaian market, new brands see the prospect of pitching camp in Ghana. The newest retail fashion brand from Japan to enter the Ghanaian market is Minisco. Now, seeing Ghana as one of the fastest growing economy with an every ever-growing middle class, Minisco has set to open eight shops by 2021. Here is the general manager of Minisco, Michael Edikam Akbakli, who spoke to Joy Business. Well, you're still listening to the Joy Business Report with me, Charles Ayata. Let's move away from that uh, particular story because with 14% of Ashanti region's land size being used for farming, over 85% of Setra Afram Plains district's population are also farmers. However, despite their land's suitability for cultivation of almost every food crop, the district lands uh, behind in food production. Factors such as absence of extension services and mechanization are said to be the response Responsible, uh, responsible for low crop yields. Nana Yaojima of Love FM's business desk takes a look at how local authorities seek to improve agriculture to enhance the fortunes of these farmers in today's special. That's the Business Journal. Forty-seven-year-old Esther Abenin is farmer and trader in the Setra Afram Plains. The main commodity she cultivates and deals in is maize. Preparing her land for planting each season is a real hassle, as she has to chase tractor owners for one of the few seven thousands. It comes out as luck when Esther finally secures the equipment for the job, despite having capacity to hire and pay even for two. The chase for tractors sometimes delay your work. When farmers call me to buy their produce, I will have to again chase the tractor to harvest and transport them. This affects our business. To have an acre of land plowed, Esther, like other farmers, pay 100 CDs and 8 CDs per bag for harvesting. These increase cost of production, which obviously is passed on to the consumer. Farmers here are too poor to own tractors and other equipment themselves. A government-owned tractor, which used to serve the people, disappeared and cannot be accounted for after government changed hands in 2017. Ebenezer Baba, a yam and maize farmer, is fully aware mechanization can improve their lot. I can farm between 10 and 30 acres of yam. Tractors make the work easier. But we don't get them. Research from agriculture department shows an acre of maize farm with proper agronomic practice and mechanization yields at least 15 bags. Under present circumstances, farmers realize three and eight bags per acre. government initiative which has seen provision of two tractors, a mechanized irrigation and a motorized sprayer and planter is said to bring some relief. District Director of Agriculture, 
Daniel Kabna Eje explains addressing planting space challenges is first step towards the change. He says all year round planting is achievable with irrigation system in place. Are those who are found along the streams and the rivers in the districts, they can benefit from especially the irrigation system all year round so they can produce all year round. Secretary of Front Plains District Assembly expects two more tractors to augment the current pool to be shared among four administrative zones. Through former committees, individuals who apply to use the machinery at a cost lower to that of private owners. Trackers installed in tractors will help monitor movement of the equipment. District Chief Executive Joseph Ousu says improvement in road network and other interventions will reduce post-harvest losses. People don't understand it, that I'm pushing a development agenda that is holistic so that the ends fit and not just those loose ends that we've been doing over the years. And that is our strategy. So we are pushing agriculture through the mechanization, but we also know the products, they need roads to travel to the market. And the roads agenda too is going on a fast pace. From Kumasi for Joy Business, Nanae Ojima, well, and on that note, to end this edition of the Joy Business Report with me, Charles Ayati, our top story, benchmark values reduction policy likely to be reviewed in next year's budget and Gold Coast Fire Management justifies publication of over 300 defaulters. Of course, coming up next is the local room with George Ado Jr. this day. I'm at the bank. Really? But your car is in front of your house. Bro, my bank on my phone, Charlie. Oh, how? EcoBank, bro. With EcoBank Mobile app, I can do everything, anywhere, anytime. Listen, I just checked my account balance, paid Amazon school fees, and sent money to my grandma at Walwale. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Masa, just download the EcoBank Mobile app from the Google Play Store or the App Store or dial star 770 hash and be your own bank manager. Manager, manager. Whether to pay bills or fees, to check account statements, Send money across Ghana, abroad, and more. EcoBank Mobile app has got it covered. EcoBank Mobile, making everyday people live everyday lives the EcoBank way. EcoBank, the Pan African Bank. For all your sports news in the locker room. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. The UEFA Champions League group stage has properly been defined and the question of how 32 will become 16 is now straightforward. Fabinho with it. He finds Mohamed Salah and the penalty box hits well. Shot and Mohamed Salah has got a goal. What a fantastic finish by Mohamed Salah. This man is absolutely unbelievable. There is no end to this man's talent. What a goal with minimum fast. This is merciless stuff. It could be the starting point. There is a smidgen of hope. Pirati takes it in. And it's the second goal there for them. 5-2 looks better, Gary. Group stage.
stage draw done and we look forward to the action in the UEFA Champions League in mid-September. Analysis of the group navigation for all clubs ahead of the show. We'll pay some attention to domestic leagues in Italy with Juventus and Napoli headlining the Serie A and we'll be in Spain, France and Germany. In England, the special North London derby will have the attention of the world as these two really come into the game on the back foot in search of the local bragging rights. Here's John Linton. This is a chance. Left footed. His first goal for Newcastle. The £40 million Brazilian puts Newcastle United in front to Tottenham, but not the best Tottenham defending you've ever seen. Spurs nil, Newcastle won. Goal! But he still finds that bottom corner with a ball. New season, new Arsenal. Same result, Mo Salah tearing them apart. Arsenal face Spurs at the Emirates, Chelsea at home to Sheffield, Manchester United visit Southampton, and the champions, Manchester City, welcome Brighton to their Tihad. Analysis to come. Also coming up. It's lights out and away we go. Hamilton, I think, got a better start, but Bottas is just ahead at the moment. And Lewis Hamilton, one, two, three, four, five, six. British Grand Prix wins. He does it. Fastest lap as well on the last lap. All the crowd, thank you so much for all coming out. I appreciate you all. The holiday fund is done and dusted and it's time for Formula One to head back to work. For the likes of Lewis Hamilton, it means returning to a healthy 62-point lead over Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas in the Drivers' Championship. Sebastian Vettel has a lot to fight for. We have a full preview of the Belgian Grand Prix here. We will also be at Flash and Medals to preview the round 16 stage of the ongoing US Open. And on the continent, we're in Rabat. The aim at the end of the day is to boost up Ghana's names as much as possible, get as much gold medals as possible, and just make history. Hopefully we can qualify for world relays and be in the mix of having a chance of having a world medal on our neck. Team Ghana looks to grab more medals after the stellar performance by the male 4x100 relay team and winning gold there. Analysis here. Head to Facebook page joy slash 99.7. Our WhatsApp line 0244340437. Same on Telegram. Or tweet at us at joysportsgh and reacting to our questions of the day. We'll be in England to preview the lightweight title fight between Lomachenko and Luke Campbell. And in Accra to preview the women's Olympic qualifier against Gabon after the Black Wings 3-0 early lead. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Ada Jr. And welcome to Preview Friday. Good afternoon to you wherever you find yourself. Locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Of course, this evening we have Fest Day coming up at the Lagumba Labadi Beach Hotel. And we'll be expecting you to meet us there or listen to us live on Joy 99.7 FM from 7 p.m. till 8.30. Right, we're coming away with interesting discussions. Of course, my colleague Benedict Wusu joins me in studio. Before we even start to discuss why you are here or what you're going to be discussing why you're in the studio, Benedict, um, there's a lot to look forward to tonight. Yes, of course. And it's at the Lagumba Fest Day. Your Friday night sports program. I mean, the soundtrack. You've got to move. Yeah, so you always have to move. Move. move with us every Friday evening. And uh, the interesting part of it is that uh, we are not in the studio. Yeah. We are out there. So you know, uh, normally. 
people would think that Charlie, how do I get to the studio and interact with these guys? Can I also join in the discussion? Yes, you can always join in the discussion when we are in the studio by text or by phone. But this, you can come grab the microphone yourself and just let us know, thing, you know what you want to say about uh, whatever we are talking about. So yeah. you have to move to the Lagoon Bar, and of course, uh, every Friday evening, we all look forward to. A wonderful night. Yeah, of course. And today we have Promasado Ghana. They're joining us. Uh, the party in the house. Promasado Ghana, you know, uh, makers or producers of Cowbell, Onga, and you and you you can name it. They'll join us. And of course, we have a small Formula One party as well as we look forward to the Belgian Grand Prix. But Benedict is in the studio because we have to talk about the All-Africa Games. Why not? Because in Rabat, Ghana, our team Ghana has won 13 medals so far and is looking really, really good. Before we start the discussion on what is to come for team Ghana in Morocco, let's first of all have a reminder of what the team has won so far. Here's Joy Sports Moses Yabwa. The Ghanaian female high jumper, Amwainima Rusiebo on Tuesday picked the country's first gold medal at the African Games in Rabat, Morocco with a jump of 1.84 meters. On Wednesday, Ghana won gold again in a men's 4 by 100 meters relay. Team Ghana, with a quartet consisting of Joseph Paul Amwa, Benjamin Azamati, Martin Ousuentri and Sean Safo Entry, matched 38.30 seconds to buy the gold medal. This is Ghana's second gold medal at the Rabat Games, having won two gold at the 2015 African Games in Brazzaville, Congo. Ghana has amassed 12 medals, two gold, nine bronze and one silver. With weightlifting attracting the most, eight bronze medals for Team Ghana. On the overall medals board, Egypt are miles apart with 177 medals in total, followed by South Africa second with 66, and Nigeria occupied the third spot with 64 medals. All right, Moses Yabwa there. A quick reminder of what we've done so far in there. Benedict, thank you very much uh, oh, for Josh, joining me. For me. Yeah, once again, yes. Thank you very much for joining me once again. And, and it's good mm. It's good to know that, yeah, Team Ghana finally got something in there. But you were in Brazzaville, uh, Congo, yes, mm. four years ago. So you are better placed to tell us exactly uh, what all of these things mean. So, but my first question, though, to you, mm. it's... Uh, Ghanaians have been reacting positively to the news that's been filtering through. What exactly is it? Because it's not like last four years we didn't win gold as well. I think it's got to do with the back-to-back uh, winning of the medals by some of our athletes. I mean, uh, Amonima winning our very first uh, gold medal. Uh, before that was into me uh, in the uh, that's, uh, the weightlifting. Mm. Won our first set of medals, uh, bronze medals. Amonima came through with that amazing performance, which in uh, uh, the gold medal, which happened to be our first gold medal. And then the 4 by 100 really uh, team, that's the, the, the men's team, did an amazing job. I mean, to win us uh, another good medal. And that's, that's of course, uh, been the talk of town. Yeah. You see how the video went viral. Everyone was talking about it. People didn't even know that we had these sets of guys around. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Sean Safuentry, Benjamin Zamati, uh, Joseph Amwa, and Martin Usuentry. And the, the guys were flawless. Uh, it was a stupendous run uh, from them. And that, of course, has brought the light on yeah, for people on, on to the... see what exactly we are doing. I mean, you look at the last Af- all Africa Games, which we won as many as 90 medals. We've won so far 30 medals. Yeah. But the positivity around this is way, way, way it's ahead crazy. of what happened last four years. I was just and thinking, are we biased to sprint stuff? I mean, we all love sprints. So, 100 <laughs> meters, 4 by 100. Yeah, of course, uh, we love athletics. Yeah. We love athletics. I mean, from 
uh, Usain Bolt, uh, Gatlin, and yeah. everything okay. that goes on when it comes to athletics, being it uh, 200 meters or 400 meters yeah. or whichever you know event you find yourself. We all yeah. love athletics, but of, George, there's something you should also know. I mean, if you are participating in badminton, if you are participating in tennis, mm. and the performance is that of one that will blow people's mind, everybody they will talk about it. They it, definitely yeah. will talk about it. So it's not just about yes, we love athletics, we love football, but if you are doing something great in badminton, I'm sure we will not sweep it under the carpet. Definitely will let people know. Yeah, because 38 point three zero wasn't bad yeah. at all for the day. <laughs> it was great. And, and we're looking at it. I'm sure the boys are just hoping that they can qualify. It's, it's really tight. Mm. I was having a look at it with the Rasmus Squall, uh, who is uh, uh, a massive, 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 massive uh, authority on athletics. But great stuff. Then, Benedict, let's talk about... Uh, the, let's do the comparison now. Yeah. Because... We have 19 medals. Doesn't look like we'll hit 19 medals. I don't it doesn't so. look like we'll hit three gold. I, I don't think uh, we'll hit 19 medals. Are you I tempted mean, then to say it's a success anyway? Well, it's not been that bad. I mean, looking at everything that happened before this game, say, we pulled down the number of athletes uh, to 91 uh, athletes, 14 disciplines, unlike uh, what happened previously. So if you are to look at the number of athletes we took to the last uh, championship, which was over 150, and with this 91 and the number of medals that we won, of course, I mean, you can say it's been, it's been a success, but I, I would have loved for us to, you know, go a step further than what we did four years ago because we said, what, we're going to prioritize, you know, yeah. prioritize uh, to look at the uh, disciplines that were more of getting us medals unlike what we did last year where we shipped so many people uh, to the place uh, to participate in so many events and we ended up winning 90 medals. Yes, 14 disciplines, 91 athletes. I think that year is not bad. But uh, I would have uh, wished that we go a step further than what we did uh, in Congo Brazzaville 2015. Well, yeah, and again, we're hoping for two more medals today in men's long jump. So exactly. We're so looking uh, out there, let's see if they can Jeff, make it. Jeff is in the yeah, final yeah, there. So yeah. uh, exactly 335. That's the event. Yes. Uh, we hope that at least we will get a medal, even if uh, it's not going to be good. Uh, silver or bronze uh, will be, so we can add it to the medal count. Very, very important. Now, can we just slide and talk about the Black Queens? Now, they're getting ready to qualify for uh, the Olympics. Uh, the, the first leg was good against Gabon. But how far are they away from qualifying? They are very far. They are very far. Don't I mean, yeah, one, one or two guys were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're no, no, no. We are not just, there yet. Just, just show them how yeah, far we, they are away. We are not there yet. We are, this, this is the second round. The first round, uh, we didn't play in the first round because of our position uh, on the continent and how well they did uh, previously in the uh, competitions that we participated in. So we're not part of uh, the teams that played in the first round. We are in the second round. We mm. just played the first leg away to Gabon. That was impressive. Great performance. The girls exhibited. One thing that I like about Messi Tego and this team is, you know, he took the same team uh, with uh, some new players, uh, I think no more than five players, uh, to the uh, last edition of the Wafu Championship, which unfortunately we missed out. You know, we won the uh, previous one, so we're hoping to yes, defend the last one. That, yeah, but it didn't happen, but he played very well. And he's kept, uh, she's kept uh, these uh, players together uh, with the likes of Porsche, Boache, uh, Presla Autry, and uh, Juliet uh, Champon. And all these girls coming through, we've lost one great player, that's uh, Mukarama Abdullahi. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, mm. uh, she finds herself in the U.S. You know, to continue something. education, which yeah. is very good for her. But of mm. course, I mean, if you look at uh, our national team, we also want her to be around, yeah. but she can't be around now. But yeah. still, the girls are doing it and to have gone away to beat Gabon by three goals. To, I know it's going to be good. I mean, when they come here on Tuesday, we'll definitely will make it the next stage of the competitions. So in terms of how far... We, we, we are to go a before, really far, really. you know, we are very far. Now, after qualifying, there's a second round. We go for the third round. Yeah. We go for the fourth round. And then 
the fifth round. So it's at the fifth round that if you're able to even get to the fifth round and we'll play, you know, normally what happens is one team must qualify from this qualifiers that we are playing. Yes. And then the second team will play uh, in a playoff with the, the common ball. Yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. With another continent. That's the, the winner of the common ball. Yes. So what happens is if you get there, then you play, but if not, so we are very far. So, I mean, if you're somewhere and, and, here that's yeah. the one by three nil, and you think that we you are just some few, yeah. you know, uh, we meters uh, away from qualifying to the games, then please, yeah. we are not there yet. <laughs> but we, possibly we, we are hoping to get hope, there. Yeah, to think about it, we know we know the powerhouses in and women football in, in Nigeria, all of them are in Nigeria. The South recently won the Kusafa Cup, defended it, we're winning 15 nil, 8 nil. You understand? So it will be very tough, but we hope that uh, they'll be able to make it. Yeah, and I'm sure Cameroon, of course, are also very tough customers mm-hmm. as they come in there. So uh, we wish them the very best of luck. Thank you very much, Benedict. Thank you, John. We'll be seeing you later this evening at the Lagoon Bar when we come away with uh, First Stake. Always great stuff here. You're still on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is the locker room with George Addo Jr. Four match points have come and gone. Here's a fifth. For Osaka, serves down the middle and Kabinova puts it out. And we have a new star in women's tennis. She's no one-hit wonder, Naomi Osaka. Second match point, it's a second serve as Nadal serves. Lands this in, Djokovic goes with the backhand straight back at Nadal. There's a forehand from the serve. Oh, Nadal's hit it long. Well, now time to talk tennis and the fourth Grand Slam of the year ongoing at Flushing Meadows. There's some great run of 16 games to come. And yes, of course, we've had some early exits or not. But it's now time to get a bit into what we've seen over the last four days and what is to come in the weekend. Joining me for some analysis is the BBC's senior tennis correspondent, Russell Fuller. Thanks, Russell, for your time. And it's great to hear from you again after almost a week at Flushing Meadows. Let's then talk about the early exits to the male division. Did you see Dominic Thiem being knocked out this early? Well, in many ways, Dominic Thiem's exit was not a great surprise. He had telegraphed his impending defeat in many ways because he had said he wasn't very well. He's been struggling with the virus for the last couple of weeks. And he said afterwards that he was not remotely 100%, but was determined to play because this is a Grand Slam and the last Grand Slam of the year. And it's a real shame because last year he was very close to beating Rafa Nadal in a thrilling quarterfinal. Not the only upset in the men's competition. Stefano Tsitsipas, semi-finalist at the Australian Open, one of the other top 10 players to get knocked out. He says he just doesn't feel inspired by tennis. He's played too much. He had too much success in the first four of my months of the year and said afterwards that I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again and my brain can't really take it anymore. Still with the Mill Division, all three, Novak, Djokovic, Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer have had some problems dispatching and fancied openings. Are there underlining issues that may become banana peels here? Well, I think Rafa Nadal will be very happy with the first couple of rounds, especially as he didn't have to play his second round match because he was given a walkover ahead of their night session match by Tanasi Kokinakis of Australia, who had further shoulder problems. Talking of shoulder problems, that's exactly the issue that Novak Djokovic had in his second round match with one Ignacio Londero. That's been troubling him for a couple of weeks. He says at times the pain is quite intense. He had a lot of treatment in that match, dropped his serve three times in one set, but still managed to beat Londero. 
Cordero in straight sets, but said afterwards the pain was so bad at times he wasn't even sure he was going to be able to complete the match. So that one is worth watching. It seems to affect his ball toss on the serve and his backhand in particular. And Roger Federer has been distinctly off colour in the first couple of rounds, no question about it. But he's won both matches in four sets. We'll see. We'll see. Not sure he's playing well enough to win the title, but this is Roger Federer after all. Russell, let's talk about the women's division. And as usual, the shocks were on from day one. Venus Williams, very expected. But how disappointed are you with Angelique Keba, Sloane Stevens, who many expected to travel far? Quite a few top 10 players falling in the women's competition as well. And the big surprise was the defeat of Simona Hallett, the Wimbledon champion, losing at just the second round stage to the American qualifier Taylor Townsend, who is so phenomenally talented, but has just not quite been able to stay in the upper echelons of the game. She serves and volleys pretty much all of the time. She came to the net over a hundred times in that three-set match, and it was a brilliant, brilliant performance against Halep. Petra Kvitova doesn't really like the noise of New York. She lost out to Andrea Petkovic. As for Angelique Kerber, it's just been a really, really poor year in the Grand Slams. And I think the same would be said of Sloane Stephens towards the end of the year. She's just horribly out of form. And this US Open came along at the wrong time. Russell, you did indicate last week Coco Gauff could cause a stare. She has looked good so far. And after watching Serena Williams and Simona Halep, are the two good enough? Serena Williams really struggled in her second match against Katie McNally, another young American who is very happy to come forward to the net and seems to be able to play all the shots in the book. And Williams struggled. She wasn't playing nearly as fluently as she had against Maria Sharapova in the first round where she was just so powerful and swept Sharapova off the court. But no great damage done. Yes, a three-set match, but she came through in dominant fashion in the final set. And as for Coco Goff, well, it's just been a joy watching her again after reaching the fourth round at Wimbledon and beating Venus Williams along the way. Really tight match against the Hungarian qualified Timea Babos. Both players with similar rankings, but Babos has much, much more experience. But so much composure, so much class, stamina, everything Coco Goff, winning the deciding set by six games to four. Finally, I know you have done this for years. You've followed the sport for some time now. Which players have impressed you so far and could be candidates for the male and female semi-finals? For the men, generally speaking, I'm going to be very predictable and say that Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal are the two players to beat in the draw. I think I can be a bit more creative on the women's side for you. Uh, Madison Keys, runner-up here to Sloane Stephens a couple of years ago, won the title in Cincinnati. She's very, very consistent in the Grand Slams, loves New York, has the home support. Why not? I could see her making a very, very good run. And the other one is Bianca Andrescu, the teenager from Canada, who's had an amazing year. She won the Indian Wells title in California, a very prestigious event, much of the next four or five months off the tour with shoulder problems. Came back, won her home event in Toronto. That's another big one. And here she is playing in the US Open. Again, so unpredictable, the women's draw. I think she's got a really good shot. Thank you very much, Russell Fuller, there with the wonderful analysis. And we'll be looking forward to great action as we get closer to the round of 16 at Flashing Meadows, the US Open. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Verstappen this time around does get an excellent start and Hamilton too already on the tail of his teammate 
Valtteri Bottas. Bottas coming back at Verstappen. Three abreast with the two Ferraris behind. Bottas locks up his brakes. It's been a magnificent drive and he rounds the final corner now for a magnificent seventh win at the Hungaro Ring. It is victory for Lewis Hamilton. He wins the Hungarian Grand Prix. Formula One next on the locker room and the holiday fun is definitely done and dusted. And of course, it's time to head back to work and we are in Belgium. For the likes of Lewis Hamilton, it means returning to a healthy 62-point lead over Mercedes teammates Valtteri Bottas in the Drivers' Championship. Now, for Ferrari's Sebastian Vettel, it means a whole year since he won a race. Wow. In the case of Pierre Gasly, a demotion back to Toro Rosso following a run of disappointing performances for Red Bull await a Frenchman for the final half of the season. So, let's do the analysis. And joining me, Raymond Yamado on the phone. Raymond, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, George. Good afternoon to you and all your listeners out there. We know Hamilton and Vettel share three victories each at Spa, with the German just edging the Britain 139 to 134 on points, scored at the 12 Grand Prix both drivers have entered. Is there redemption in the offing, though, for Sebastian Vettel in Belgium? Well, George, um, you look at... Sebastian Vettel's last two performances, especially in Germany when he had to come back from 20th on the grid to finish second. And then you look at his performance in Hungary. It clearly tells you that this driver is on the rise. He's actually gaining a bit of confidence as the season has worn on. And I think that you look at Sebastian Vettel and how he has performed. He did have some bad races in the course of the season. And he hasn't won a race since uh, last year, I guess. And he definitely will be hoping that Franco Champs would give him some redemption this weekend. And let's not forget that this, this track is one of the most tricky circuits in Formula 1. And you look at how it rewards, you know, chassis based on horsepower and the low drag. And if you look at the low drag system of most of the cars that will be racing this weekend, it is, it is said that Ferrari have the lowest drag. And if we talk about drag, it simply means the resistance that the wind resistance that acts against cars when they are moving forward. And you, it, the less the drag, the higher the speed and so uh, Ferrari have proven beyond reasonable doubt that if you look at the other chassis Red Bull and Mercedes they have the lowest drag and that's actually going to be you know something that will play in their favor at Spa this weekend because you look at Ferrari and how they've, they've, they've been dominant in Spa and Monza it's been down to the brilliance of their SF90 the SF90 is the car that will be racing this weekend and Ferrari definitely have done some fine tuning in the summer uh, at Maranello, they've actually done some fine-tuning to their chassis, and so you can expect them to can deliver some fantastic performance in Spa this weekend. But let's not forget that Lewis Hamilton himself, after he won his last race, was actually speaking about the fact that he had to, you know, deliver in the second round. The second season, or the second half of the season, was going to be better than the first one that he delivered. And let's not forget, last season, in 2018, he won six out of the last nine races. So it tells you that said Lewis Hamilton definitely will be having a go at this one as well. But at Spa, everything is pointing into the direction of Ferrari because of the car that they are using this weekend and because of the advantages of, you know, the, the, the Ferrari chassis on the circuit at Spa. So it promises to be an exciting one. Let's not again forget that last year, um, Lewis Hamilton started from pole but lost out to um, Sebastian Vettel in the race. And so it promises to be an exciting one. But you look at how things are going, looking at the script, looking at what is being said, it looks very much like Sebastian Vettel might be nicking this one, looking at how things are going. Well, let's just have a quick chat about Leclerc and Verstappen. What do they really bring to the party here? Well, Verstappen 
showed a lot of brilliance in Hungary. Verstappen has shown that indeed he can actually, you know, be one of the, 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 the drivers to look forward to. Currently 181 points, uh, 69 points off Hamilton, 7 points off Bottas. Definitely he'll be challenging for that second spot come this weekend. He might be hoping to topple Valtteri Bottas, you know, from that second spot position. And you look at how he's, he's actually driven in, in, the, in the last few races, you know, at Germany, we all saw him emerge as the favourite. He actually won that race to the surprise of everyone. It clearly tells you that Verstappen is beginning to get the grasp of the sport. He's beginning to, you know, bring his experience to bear. And I think that is one to watch for the future. He is in form and definitely he'll be one of Red Bull's main men going into this race. Albon has come in, but I don't think that Albon will be competing against Verstappen. He might provide good cover for him. He might be an excellent wingman for him, but I'm not expecting too much from Albon. But Max Verstappen is a driver in form. And... On his day, on his day, he can cause a lot of surprises. I'm not surprised that he's already making the mark in Hungary. We all know he led for most part of that race, but experience showed him a bit. If he starts from pole, we might just see what happened in Hungary happening again. But I still think that his one driver who is one for the future, he's definitely one for the future. He's shown a lot of promise, but I don't think that in the championship race, he can, you know, usurp Lewis Hamilton from the top. So I think that second spot might be realistic for him, but he's had a very good season already in the championship. Well, definitely a lot to look forward to with practice, uh, all to come and the race to, to really come uh, this weekend. But let me just end with your predictions then for this Belgian Grand Prix, who are likely to grab podium finishes here. Oh, George, looking at how Hamilton was dominant in the first round of the competition, you know, winning 8 out of 12 races, automatically his all-time favorite to win this one. But you can see um, Sebastian Vettel just dominating this one because of the work that has been done on their chassis and especially looking at the ratings that the, the SF90 has been given ahead of this competition. The less drag definitely gives it a high speed. And so on this very part-sensitive um, spa from Kuchamp circuit, I think that Sebastian Vettel, uh, Sebastian Vettel might be winning his first race of the season. He's done so much. He's, he's worked very hard in the last two races. And I think that this could just be the climax for Team Ferrari and uh, Sebastian Vettel. So I think that it's definitely going to be a race that will be contested between Vettel, Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. I think that Max Verstappen, because of the chances that he uses, I don't think that Red Bull are one team that dominates when it comes to Spa. And so I, I think that he might struggle from the Red Bull chassis and ability to dominate as far. And so it's definitely going to be one driver who's going to win it. Um, that could be Sebastian Vettel. And we could just see a Mercedes 1-2 from Lewis, uh, 2-3 from Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. So, George, looking at how things are going, I just see Ferrari winning their first race of this year's championship. Let's move away from uh, Ferrari, is it? Let's talk about Mercedes because they have confirmed that Valtteri Bottas will remain as Lewis Hamilton's teammate in 2020. And then we're speculating about who would claim the coveted second silver arrow seat next season. Now, how, how refreshing should this be? Well, I think that um, a lot has been said, you know, ahead of the, 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 the second round. And a lot was said about Valtteri Bottas' inability to actually dominate like he started the season. You know, when the season started, he, he actually won in Melbourne. And that actually sparked off, you know, huge competition between himself and Lewis Hamilton. But he's gone off the boil a bit. He's not won a race since... April 28th, two crashes in Germany and Hungary definitely have hindered his progress and he's now 62 points off Lewis Hamilton. Clearly tells you that he's gone off the boil a bit. And the talk about Esteban Ocon coming in to replace him at Mercedes also turned his head a bit. And so we didn't see some fine displays from him in the last two races. But I think that, you know, that being settled, you know, makes him 
a bit more focused. It, it, it puts his mind in the right place, and definitely he should go in and then dominate as we've all seen him dominating the early start of the season. And so I, I think that is good news for Valtteri Bottas that Mercedes have confirmed that he's definitely going to stay and be the partner for Lewis Hamilton. But George, I wouldn't be surprised if Mercedes changed their mind because a lot will depend on the final nine races of the season. If Valtteri Bottas is not able to close the gap, if he's not able to turn out fantastic performances week in, week out. I think that Mercedes might just be going for the talented Esteban Ocon to replace Valtteri Bottas. But for now, once that has been settled, it gives him peace of mind to actually go into races and dominate the races. But failure to do so, George, don't be surprised to see him kick out of Team Mercedes. Thank you very much, Raymond, for your time. Boxer next. And in beating Adrian Young with an impressive performance back in March, Hall hero Luke Campbell and the chance to win some serious belts. Now, the Olympic gold medalist fancies getting his gloves on some titles, but there's someone standing in the way this weekend, Vasil Lomachenko. Now, Lomachenko is currently a unified lightweight world champion holding the WBA, WBO, and the ring magazine titles. The Ukrainian fighter is also annoyingly for Campbell, perhaps the best boxer playing his trade today. So let's get a bit of perspective right now. And my colleague Hans Mensa Ando joins me. Thank you very much, Hans, for your time. Will this bout change anything we know about Lomachenko? I very much doubt it. I mean, I think that we all know what Vasily Lomachenko is all about. Um, he's all about quick reflexes. He's all about changing positions, switching styles. He's all about turning up the style. He's all about um, exposing what a sweet science is all about. And I doubt this bout is going to change anything about Vasily Lomachenko. Well, so let, let's talk about it. So, what was this really to do for Lomachenko? Because, well, he's got everything. Is it just about giving Campbell a chance or trying to put himself out there once again? Well, the thing about boxing is that so long as you hold a title, you've always got a, a target up your backside. Everybody wants a title. Everybody wants your throne. And so, it's only natural that um, he's, he's, he has an opponent in front of him that he has to face. So long as he holds titles, he's always going to have boxers challenging him for those titles. Um, it also goes a long way to testing in terms of the different styles that the different boxers bring to the table. The thing about fighters like like Lomachenko, like Floyd Mayweather, like Penel Whitaker, is that um, people are always throwing up prepositions as to which style um, would be able to to neutralize their styles, you know. And so it's, it's just another challenge and it will be interesting to see how he'll be able to scale this one. So... Is there anything Campbell can do? Is there anything he can do? I know you have made it and it really looks like this is an upstairs-downstairs bout. But if he had a chance, what is it he's got to try and disturb Lomachenko? Well, two things must happen. First of all, I mean, um, let, let me emphasize that the, the, the challenge in front of Luke Campbell is like having to climb the Mount Everest, descend and climb up again in a day. It's nearly impossible, first of all. But hey, it's boxing. There is always a chance that an upset may occur. Um, what Luke Campbell has got over... So, so upset like uh, Andrew Ruiz and uh, Anthony Joshua? <laughs> absolutely. Those sort of upset. We are talking about Pontius chance. But what he's got realistically um, is what we all see. And it, it has to do with the physical. He's taller. He has a longer reach. And so um, that is what he has in terms of an advantage over Vasily Lomachenko. Um, it, 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 it remains to be seen how he's going to utilize you know, those qualities, those advantages, how he's going to make them tell in the ring. And, and I can tell you that against boxers as crafty, as skilled, as um, accomplished as Vasily Lomachenko, is going to be very, very difficult. It may end up appearing that those advantages 
will probably be non-existent at all in the way that Lomachenko is likely to dominate this fight as he's done in several other fights. Look, um, we saw, and I'll take you back to, to our own Isaac Dogbe, Manon Navarrete. We kept emphasizing how the reach advantage was going to be telling. At the end of the day, we saw that it was a difference in the two fights between Dogbe and Navarrete. It remains to be seen how Luke Campbell is going to utilize that reach advantage. Let me say again that against fighters like Lomachenko, physical advantages often count for nothing. You know what? Let me just ask you this and let's end this discussion. So Lomachenko looks like he's the be all and end all in this division. Is there anyone you are eyeing who can give him a run for his money? It's difficult. I mean, um, there are one or two names out, out there, one of them being our own Richard Oblitekome. Um, there are people who feel that Kome's all-action, all-out attack is one that could disrupt Lomachenko's smooth, you know, slick style. But hey, I have seen that style being applied on, on, on fighters like that, and I, and I know how it ends. You have a boxer in Lomachenko constantly switching up positions. One moment he's in front of you, the next moment is as if he, he disappeared and got on your right or your left side and he's punching away. And so that is what makes it difficult. Also, another thing is that you have to hit your target. It's all, all about going and throwing punches in volumes. You have to be hitting. The thing about boxing is that when you throw and you miss, it takes a lot out of you physically. And Lomachenko will make you miss. Guillermo Rigondo is one of the, the most accurate boxers I've seen. And Lomachenko made him miss all throughout their fight until he dismantled him in the seventh round. He quit on his two. He didn't answer the bell for the eighth round. And so he tells you the sort of level you need to be at to be able to beat Vasily Lomachenko. Look, he's lost just a single fight. And guess what? It was in his, in his second professional bout. He came out as an amateur and decided to go straight away for a world title. Was advised against it. Took one fight and went into his second fight for the world title and got beaten by split decision. He learned the lessons and he's never looked back since. And so, look, he's experienced, he's skilled, he's crafty, and 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 he's got age on his side also. It's very, very difficult to, to spot a weakness in his arsenal. You have to throw punches in volumes, you have to hit the target, and he's going to make you miss. And if you miss, he's going to make you pay. That is what makes it very, very difficult. Luke Campbell is not the most accurate of... of Punches I've seen. He throws in volumes, he knows he has a reach, he throws from a distance. But I tell you what, I trust Vasily Lomachenko to close that gap and make it impossible for Luke Campbell to utilize it. So we are the London O2 Arena this weekend to find out what happens uh, with this particular bell. Thank you very much, Hans Mensa, and all for your time on the show. We've still got more to go. Interesting Formula One stuff, tennis and boxing all in the mix, as well as the all all the Africa games ongoing in Rabat, Morocco. Now time to talk about the football. We've got some very, very good games to look forward to. The English Premier League will be headlined this weekend by the North London Derby between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. So then we have to head for the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. I had a great chat there with the BBC's Nick Hutton on a number of issues. Enjoy this. this weekend and there's no better place to start than the UEFA Champions League draw that was made days ago. Battle lines drawn for the group stages. Uh, but what's your group of death and 
Do you fancy the English sides going through to the knockout phase? Uh, let's start with the group of deaths. I think, I mean, you only have to look at Group F. I think, really, Barcelona, Dortmund and Inter Milan all in the same group in the, in the Champions League. I think those sides will all have wanted to avoid each other, wouldn't they, really, if you were given the choice. But pretty difficult to call, I suppose. You'd imagine Barcelona will be favourites for that one, but the likes of Dortmund and Inter Milan battling out for, for that second-place finish as well. It's going to be really, really, really interesting, that Group F. That, for me, would, would be the group of death. Group A, we've got Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain uh, together as well, so that one is really, really tough. As far as the English sides are concerned, I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you'll be pretty happy with the draw. Napoli, Salzburg and Genk are in uh, your group. Napoli, Liverpool faced last year, of course. Manchester City... Another, it said, decent group for them. Shakhtar, Donetsk, Dinamo Zagreb and Atalanta for Pep Guardiola's side. So the imagine Liverpool and Manchester City will progress pretty easily uh, from those groups. Tottenham, difficult start for them in terms of the Premier League finalists last season, of course. And they started the group stage really, really poorly as well. It looked, didn't it, last year as if they were going to be knocked out in the group stage before they turned it around. Uh, Bayern Munich, Olympiakos and Red Star Belgrade are the sides that Tottenham have got in there groups so they face a bit of a challenge to progress from that one uh, Chelsea they've got last year's semi-finalists uh, Ajax Valencia and Lille uh, in their group under normal circumstances you'd imagine that Chelsea will progress uh, from the group stage but remember of course they're under this uh, transfer embargo of course they've got a very very young squad and relying on a lot of youngsters this season Frank Lampard's side showing up pretty well in the in the Premier League so far this season you do wonder though uh, how much of a task progressing from the group stage of the, of the Champions league will be uh, for Frank Lampard's side but I'd, I'd tip Liverpool and Manchester City to definitely progress from the group stages Spurs if they can finish second they'll be alright Chelsea I imagine it may be too big a task for them we'll talk about the special English Premier League fixtures to come this weekend shortly but shall we dock at Manchester United for a while and after performances already this season fans down here are wondering if the season squad is stronger than that of last season what do you think um, I think it's it's pretty even if you look at who they've uh, brought in. Of course, uh, Aaron Wambasaka uh, in in defence. Uh, Daniel James has uh, come in as well. He's an exciting young uh, British uh, wide man. He's uh, performed pretty well since uh, he's uh, been on the pitch uh, for Manchester United. Scored a couple of goals for them. Got that uh, equaliser in the defeat against Crystal Palace uh, last week. As far as absentees are concerned, obviously uh, Romelu Lukaku and the goals that he brought last season arguably haven't really been replaced uh, as yet he's gone to uh, into Milan Alexis Sanchez has gone uh, this week on loan as well um, as far, are they better or are they worse I, I don't think it's, it's a great sort of swing either way to be honest I, think, I don't think too many people are talking Manchester United up as being hugely improved on last season I don't think they're talking them down either as to what they're going to do this year so if you're a Manchester United fan I think you just got to sort of maybe rein in your expectations a little bit because the business that they've done, okay, I mean, Harry Maguire, of course, I've got to mention, of course, in defence as well. World record feat for a defender looks very, very good, but, I mean, it shores them up defensively, but you do wonder, you know, how much of an impact that will have in terms of winning games uh, this season. That defeat against Crystal Palace... Uh, last weekend will have hurt but ultimately they were the better side in that game didn't take their chances and you know disappointing start to the season so far but I think if you're a Manchester United fan you just sort of have to have to get on and deal with it I don't think they're going to make too many waves this season but I don't think they're going to be too too disappointing either
Bola stick with Manchester United and how rash is Olegana Social's decision to have Rashford other than Pogba take penalties. Considering the experience of the Frenchman and the sudden pressure attached to taking sports kicks for Manchester United of late. Um, I think, well, if you look at Marcus Rashford's penalty in the opening game against Chelsea, he dispatched that really, really well, didn't he? He put that away pretty convincingly. I think everybody was surprised that when uh, Manchester United got that penalty away at Wolves, that uh, Paul Pogba was taking it off him. I think you'd only take a penalty off somebody if they'd missed the, the, the previous one, really. Lots of people saying that, that Pogba was wrong to do what he did. I know you say about the experience that he's got, but his record at penalties isn't that great, I don't believe. And I know he scored a fair few penalties last season for Manchester United, but percentage-wise, it's, it's not that high, his conversion rate. And we spoke before the game against Crystal Palace last weekend as to what would happen if Manchester United got a penalty. Typically, that's what happened at Old Trafford. Manchester United getting a penalty. Lots of camera lenses focused on who was going to take it. Paul Pogba stayed completely out of the way as Marcus Rashford picked up the ball. And, and But for a matter of inches, really, he would, have, he would have put that away really, really convincingly. But it smacked against the inside of the post, rolled along the goal line, and then went out for a, for a goal kick. So it'll be interesting to see if United get a penalty in the next game away at Southampton, who will take it? I might fancy Marcus Rashford to, to take it once again. I think Paul Pogba will be all right if he doesn't take it. I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep if he doesn't take it. I think maybe for Marcus Rashford, as a young player, the inexperience that he's got, if he can take another penalty and put it away, uh, that will do him the world of good. I think uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said afterwards, he's not con- not too concerned. You know, There'll be more penalties and they'll score more than they miss. It's just one of those coincidences, isn't it, where you miss two penalties in a number of days and everybody starts asking questions. I think they'll be all right and I think Marcus Marcus Rashford will be on penalty duties should they get the next one. Well, Arsenal face their tenor falls in not London. In one of the heated derbies in the English Premier League, the Gunners have often found a way against Spurs at home, but their defence at the moment is a worry. Can the defensive midfield give them enough cover? I think they'll be all right, uh, Arsenal. I think a lot of the concern at the moment is about what uh, Tottenham are going to do. I know Liverpool uh, did well against uh, Arsenal last weekend, and there was a question marks about the Arsenal defence, but I think Tottenham going forward aren't really offering that much. So I think defensively, I think Arsenal will be okay. Lots of talk that I was uh, hearing on the radio today uh, driving into work was about how Arsenal were going to beat uh, Tottenham uh, this uh, Sunday at uh, the Emirates. And I think it's really hard to argue with that, really. I think mainly because Tottenham aren't firing at all. They've had a poor start to the season. There's a bit of uh, discontent behind the scenes, it seems, as well. There's there's a bit of excitement about what Arsenal are going to do attacking-wise. Yes, they had a few chances against Liverpool uh, last weekend at Anfield. They didn't put them away, but, you know, if 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 their players up front can really do the business, the likes of Pepe, Lacazette and Aubameyang, talk is that all three will start on Sunday as well, so that will really put the Tottenham defence under pressure. I think Arsenal's best form of defence will be to attack on Sunday, and I think they will have the better of Tottenham on Sunday. Finally, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United all seem to have straightforward fixtures, but no result is guaranteed in the Premier League, we know. Where do you suspect an upset may come from? Um, I think they will all be straightforward. I think if there is an upset, then I think it may come at Southampton. We've spoken about Manchester United and they'll be looking to bounce back from that defeat against Crystal Palace. Southampton is not an easy place to go and a Southampton side that will be buoyed by that 2-0 win away up to Brighton last time out. When they get going, Southampton are a good side. They're hard to beat and they play well under Ralph Hasenhutl. 
Manchester United confidence may be a little bit low, I suppose. The shock of that defeat against Crystal Palace. Yes, they had the, the main sort of possession in the game. They wasted chances which would have seen them win it. But they're not firing really Manchester United at the moment. Just one point from their last two matches. So a trip to Southampton could be a bit of a banana skin for them. Those other games, Manchester City at home to Brighton. City yet to find that blistering form that they showed last season. But I don't think that will be too much of a concern for Manchester City fans. I think they'll have too much for Brighton. And Liverpool, great start to the season for them. Of course, Virgil van Dijk and UEFA Player of the Year this week as well. He'll marshal the back line away to Burnley. Burnley started the season pretty well with that win over Southampton. I do, though, think that Liverpool will have way too much for them. So I think at the moment the only maybe slip-up and shock result that we could see will be Manchester United away at Southampton. Look forward to a wonderful weekend. They're live coming to enjoy 99.7 FM, the Sports Arena on Sunday. Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal. That will be on Sunday. Now let's check out the big games to look forward to this weekend. Here's Joy Sports, Moses Yaboa. Juventus host Napoli on Saturday, the standout fixture in Syria this weekend. It was a very different weekend for both Juventus and Napoli, but the pair started with three points. They both won to set up a huge battle in just the second weekend of the campaign, with both sides targeting the title. However, the big talking point of the game will be the absence of former Napoli boss Maurizio Sarri, who is being made to wait for his debut in Juve dugout after a bout of pneumonia. AC Milan hosts Brescia. Inter Milan travel to Gagliari and Roma face Lazio. Two out of two, Dortmund will hope to continue their fine form on the road in the Bundesliga when they take on Union Berlin, who are searching for their first win in their debut top flight campaign. Coming so close last season, Dortmund are eager to lay their hands on that coveted trophy they won eight seasons ago. Perinia champions Bayern Munich host Mainz, while Leipzig travel to Mönchengladbach. Barcelona demonstrated that they can more than get by whilst Messi and Suarez are on the sidelines after last week's emphatic 5-2 win. They go again this weekend without their magician to last season's Segunda winners Osasuna, hoping Antoine Griezmann will have his scoring boot on. Real Madrid plagued with injuries square off with Villarreal with the last five meetings between them producing 19 goals and Atletico Madrid host Eibar. Elsewhere, PSG travelled to Mets in the French League R. And in the English Premier League, Arsenal, who were downed last week by Liverpool, will be seeking to bounce back in their clash with Tottenham Hotspur in the North London derby. Manchester United face Southampton away. Chelsea hosts Sheffield United. Man City Brighton and Liverpool take on Burnley. Moses Yaboa with that. And of course, we can look forward to a great weekend. Are you checking out sports? Okay. Uh, for those of you following the US Open, we get to see Roger Federer later today. Uh, the likes of Stan Wawrinka will all be in action. Serena Williams, Daniel Medvedev, that one of the guys we're really looking out to see if he can uh, finally produce something that can win a Grand Slam. And of course, Novak Djokovic will all be in it. That's it for The Locker Room. My name is George Adder Jr. We're back next week with another great edition of the show. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC 